Welcome to Dominion Today with Kevin and Chantel Davis, a podcast where you will learn how to discover your calling, live your purpose, and fulfill your destiny. By listening to these episodes, you'll build the confidence you need to operate in dominion and authority so you can walk in the revelation of the victory that belongs to you in Christ Jesus. Now, here's your host, Kevin Davis. So this is a principle that we grabbed a hold of many years ago. And it is in relation to our giving. The importance of when we come to the altar to bring our seed, to bring our tithe, to bring our offering. You know, the Bible talks about us bringing our tithe. It's not paying a tithe. We pay our taxes. You pay your TV license which I hope you do. But you do not pay your tithe. There's a negative connotation on that word pay. You bring your tithe. The Bible talks about Jesus sitting or standing, but he was in close proximity to the offering bowl. Think about that. Jesus stood there watching as everyone came to give. He did not just sort of look at the people to give. He also looked at what they gave. Because he recognized that there was a widow who gave only two mites. Other people also recognized that this widow gave only two mites. And they were sort of hinting towards the fact like, hey, is this all you've got? And literally it was all that she had. And Jesus remarked that everyone else gave out of the bountiful riches that they had. You know, because there's many multi-millionaires and then when they take out whatever it is that they have in their wallet, it might be a 200 rand, but in relation to the wealth that they have, what is 200 rands in terms of the percentage of their finances? And then you might have someone else who might not have really anything, yet they might take out a 50 rand and bring that to or into the hands of the Lord. When you look at the proportion of that, when you look at the percentage of that, come on, it is far more, far greater than someone just slipping out a note out of their wallet or in their pocket or whatever they might have available to them and just bringing that to the altar. And so one of the things that we learned over the years is not even waiting for the man of God to give the opportunity for us to give. There have been times in our lives where we have been trusting the Lord for something specific. And I want to encourage you that every time when we get together that you would already have prepared your heart and have already prepared your seed. Now it is that today many people do not really use cash anymore and therefore you can already vow in your heart as to what you are going to do with regards to your giving even by making use then of the website, you can go to dominion.org.za. There's ways that you can give online or just plain old simple EFT, which is, a, which is something we all know and that we all use. But one of the things that we have done over the years is preparing not only our hearts, but preparing our seed for something really specific. And then whenever we are in the atmosphere of His glory, the presence of God, like we are here this morning. It is important to sort of wait for that moment in time where there is something that is shared that you can connect your faith to. And it is then at that moment that it triggers a response from you to at that moment come to the front 
and release your seed in the anointing by faith. Because anything that does not spring forth from faith is by definition sinful, the Bible says in the book of Romans. So in other words, what I'm going to teach you this morning and what I want you to already apply this morning is yes, towards the very end, I will have an opportunity for you to come and to give and to bring your tithe, your offering, or then your seed to the front. But as I'm this morning going to be talking about financial breakthrough, I want you to be sensitive to the leading and the guiding of the Holy Spirit. So that in that moment in time, when you hear the voice of the Lord speak to you, and I want you to, to then grab a hold of that word by faith, and to respond by faith and release that seed in the anointing. Now you're going to get up quietly. You're going to come to the front quietly and release your seed. And I'm wanting you to, to grab a hold of this revelation today. That it's not about just casually coming up and just... It's applying your faith. Releasing that seed in the anointing, placing a demand on the anointing and doing so by faith. That is what I want to teach you this morning. That is what I would love for you to do and apply, not only this morning, but from this morning. That you would not even need to be encouraged to now there's a time come. But as the Spirit of the Lord speaks to you, and there is something that drops and connects in the spirit that you would respond by faith. I'm telling you, there's been times that we've been in meetings and we've been in many, many meetings, many conferences, many, many hours in the presence of God, sitting under the anointed word of God. And there's times, you know what, where we would give three, four, five times a day. Every time, I mean, we would literally... I, I, Many times at a conference, knowing a conference comes up, you know, you already prepare seed for the duration of the conference. So I would have a couple of thousand rand that I would put aside for the conference. And you would sort of want to, you know, now split it up over the sessions that you're going to be in, the presence of God. You know what happens? There's that first day, the first session of the first day, and it's a week-long conference. The first session of the first day, there is a word that is released and I grab a hold of it by faith. And then I'm like, Lord, I have already prepared this amount of money for this period of this conference. What do you want me to bring this session? And the Lord said to me, all of it. And I'm telling you, there is something about receiving you know, an envelope, if you've ever had a birthday and there's an envelope and there's a lot of, you can feel like, hey, this is a thick envelope. I'm telling you, do you know how much joy it brings to my heart to be able to go with a thick envelope to the offering and to release that by faith into the anointing? Jesus said it is greater to give than it is to receive. To have the opportunity to give and to be a blessing. I mean, come on, what greater joy is there than to be a blessing? And I want you to know at all times, this is not you giving a tip to God. This is not you giving an, uh, or making a donation to a religious organization. 
I know that from a legal standpoint, the church is registered as a nonprofit company. We are tax exempt and there's a couple of other things from a legal standpoint. And yes, I think to many people out there and to like laymen, they might think that, okay, this is classified as a charity. But I want you to be able to switch on your mind and your heart and your spirit to the fact that this is not you bringing a donation to a charity. It is me sowing a seed by faith. There is something that happens, a transaction in the spirit that every single time you sow, the Bible reveals that you are transacting in the heavenly places. You are placing a deposit into your heavenly bank account. That's what Paul reveals. You are making deposits into your heavenly bank account. And what I've seen is that there is nothing that gives a greater return on investment, an ROI as the world would say, than sowing into the kingdom of God. What does the Bible say? Matthew chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be given unto you. Many people make it their mission, their life's mission, even Christians, to pursue all of these things and to do so first and foremost. But what is actually important is to first seek the kingdom of God. You see, if the kingdom of God is not first, it doesn't matter what is second. Also, I can tell you this, touching on last week's closing remarks during the message. People will applaud you when you begin to seek first the kingdom. But they will also be among the first to begin to ridicule you once all things are starting to be added to your life. Let me say that again. People will applaud you when you first seek the kingdom. Oh, this room boy. That's so lovely. Hi. So a blay for you. But then once all things are added, and they, 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 they can see the tangible blessing of God upon your life. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And so I want you to prepare your hearts, to prepare your spirit, and to be ready to receive all that God has for us this morning. So this morning I want to continue with the series of the God of miracles, signs, and wonders. But I want to just add it in there, the fact that God is also the God of breakthrough. That God is the God of victory. Come on, if you believe that He is the God of victory, just say a big amen. You see, God doesn't want you to manage your problems. He wants you to totally and utterly overcome it. The world talks about therapy and talks about managing your addiction. Managing the problem. God doesn't just want you to manage the problem. He wants you to totally and utterly overcome it. So that your life can truly be marked by freedom. Can you say amen? 
And when we begin to read the Gospels and even the Word of God in general, we find that there was a moment in time that Jesus sent out the 72. Do you remember that story? At first, Jesus says to them, listen, don't even prepare a bag. Don't even prepare anything for you to eat because the Lord himself will take care of you. He will make a way even where there seems to be no way. Yes, God uses people, but the Lord promised that he would already go before them, ahead of them, and prepare the way so that when they they come and as long as they remain walking in the name of the Lord their God that there shall be supply that is not of this world then we find the story of three courageous young men Shadrach Meshach and Abednego we all know the story King Nebuchadnezzar wanted to take everything away from them if they refused to bow to the statue that he had erected a lot of people might say, well, when in Babylon, do what the Babylonians do. Some people might say, well, let's just bow to the statue. But in our hearts, you know, we can just, you know, the, the, the yerk in my heart. The Lord knows my heart. You know, I'll bow with my knee physically just to put up appearances, just to not go to the fiery furnace. But in my heart, the Lord will know that I'm not actually meaning that I'm bowing to the statue right now. I, there's nothing in it really for me. And so they said, I am not going to bow. And then the king said, I will throw you into the fiery furnace. They said, well, you can do whatever. I am not going to be moved. I will not be shaken. I will not be in a place where I will be intimidated. And so he said, okay, so then. We'll prepare the fiery furnace. And that is exactly what they did. And they made it hotter than ever before. So much so that the person who was now in front of them, leading them into the fiery furnace, succumbed to the heat. And as they entered, they actually marched themselves into the furnace because now all of those who had led them died. Think about that. Their boldness, their faith, their courage. They had no one leading them into the fiery furnace anymore. They were marching themselves in. Because you see, how can you put someone in a fiery furnace and burn someone who is already on fire? What the world thought would come as an attack against them to totally sway them into a direction where they would succumb and compromise. They said, I will not compromise. And the Lord honored them every step of the way. And what happened right after that experience is they were already, before then, they were already were people of high esteem among the people of Babylon. They had influential jobs, you can say. But what happened was after this experience, King Nebuchadnezzar said, listen, there is no God but your God. Your God is the God. And he went and promoted them in a significant position in his, what you can call parliament, the equivalent of that today. And so what I want to reveal to you already this morning is to have a vision, a dream so big that if it is not of God, it is doomed to fail to have a dream so big 
a vision so large, a multi-generational vision, that unless it is truly of God, it will not succeed. You see, God is not intimidated by the bigness or the greatness of your vision, of the dream that you have. God is not intimidated by that. In fact, it's quite the opposite. There's a clap in God's gezicht as ons begin om spieliekies te speel en ons wil net settle vir klein dinge. Where we settle on small things, small mindedness. And we get to that place where we just feel like, yeah, this is all there is and this is all there ever will be. Do not dream small. Do not think small. In Jesus' name. Samson was a man who the Bible reveals was driven by the Holy Spirit. Think about that. In Old Testament times already, before the outpouring and the accessibility, you can say, of the Spirit of God. He was a man driven by the Holy Spirit. And so there came a time when he had to now fight. And this was not a spiritual fight. This was a physical fight. And what he saw was as there was a jawbone of a donkey. And the Bible clearly says it was a fresh jawbone. You see, what, I've rev- what I feel in the spirit even happening this morning is there is a freshness coming upon you. There is something fresh that the Lord will reveal to you, that the Lord will make available to you, that that which the Spirit of God is getting ready to do in this hour will be unlike the hours that have gone before us. The Lord is doing something brand new and He is giving into our hands something fresh with which we will slay the enemy. Come on, if you believe that, and you are of those who are the giant slayers of this generation, come on, just lift up your hands, give a shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. And then we read about him when he was attacked by the lion. Remember, he killed the lion with his bare hands. Just think about that. The strength, the tenacity, the courage of a man to kill a lion with his bare hands. And remember, this is where the riddle then comes out of later. Because what happened was, as the lion was now dead, it began to decay. He later came across the corpse, which had decayed. The body was opened up. The stomach had exploded. And then he saw in the cavity of this lion, So he saw inside of this carcass of the lion, he saw that there has now been bees that have made honey. And he went and he nourished himself by partaking of the honey that was found inside of the carcass of this lion. And again, what the Lord speaks to all of us this morning about again is that that very thing that was geared towards killing you That thing that was amped to take you out, to destroy your life and destroy your destiny. It is from that very thing that was meant to kill you, that the Lord will nourish you. You will feed off of that which was destined to kill you in Jesus' name. And so with that introduction, let's go to 2 Kings chapter 7. 
Second Kings chapter 7 from verse 1 in the New Living Translation. Second Kings chapter 7 says, Elisha replied, Elisha who is the prophet of God. He said, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, listen to this, the officer assisting the king said to the man of God. In other words, it was the person in close proximity to the king, the one who was able to speak into the ear of the leader. He now speaks to the man of God and he says, well, that couldn't happen even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. He is not only taunting God, he is mocking God to his face. Because we read in the book of Malachi chapter 3, where God says, well, test me now in this. That is the only scripture where we are allowed to test God. And it comes in the area of us being faithful in the area of us bringing the tithe, 10% of our income to the house of God. And then God promises this, that when we do so, He says, test me now in this. If I will not then open up for you the floodgates of heaven, the windows of heaven, and pour you out a blessing so large that you, you will not have room enough to store it. That's what God promises. Divine blessing. And now here is a man who says, well, even if God is able to open up the windows of heaven, this will not happen. This is a man of God, the prophet of God over the people of Israel, giving a clear word. He does not say, this is what I feel. He doesn't say, this is what I heard from another prophet. He says, thus saith the Lord, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel has to say. And there is still one who has the audacity to say, well, that couldn't happen. A naysayer, someone who refuses to acknowledge that God has spoken. You see, this is why we cannot allow external circumstances to speak louder than the word of God. If God's word says it, I believe it and that settles it. This is not the worst of times. These are the best of times. For the Lord declares that in the last days I will pour out my spirit. That the latter days will be greater than the former. The latter glory greater than the former glory. God says once more I will shake the heavens and the earth. So there is coming a shaking. And everything that can be shaken will be shaken. So you can expect a great shake, a big shake up. And it is going to take a big shaking for us to see the fulfillment of the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just being fulfilled. How else is that 
wealth transfer going to happen if it is not by a big financial shakeup? We are seeing the signs of that happening right now. Where would we have ever thought that we would see the British pound nearly equal now to the US dollar? That countries who thought they had it all figured out are crumbling right now. Inflation spiraling out of control. There are things that are yet to be fulfilled. And while people see the signs of the times, and like I said a few months ago when the petrol price reached over 25 rands, I listened to the radio and there was people saying, well, these are the signs of the times. Jesus is coming very soon. And I told you how ridiculous that is. Where is that in the Bible? One of the big signs of Jesus' imminent return is related to the fuel price. I mean, hello. So now if they, were tr- if they were correct, Jesus was standing up ready to come, but now the petrol price has fallen a bit, so Jesus has gotten to set back down. No, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. So the officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, Well, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to partake of any of it. That is the way in which men of God deal with the naysayers. Okay, you do not believe it. You will still see it, but you will not eat of it. That is the boldness and the tenacity that is coming back to the men and the women of God in this hour. And so what I hear in the voice, what I hear the voice of the Lord saying is that every single one of us to expect a harvest regardless of the external conditions. We do not look at the wind or to the clouds for we are of those who keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. There's a little warning as well, and it is this. Keep your confession in check. Keep your confession in check. Very loud this morning. Yes, amen. That's right, pastor. Go deeper, pastor. That's true. I receive it. I take it. Okay, that's great. But let me say this to you from my personal experience. Many people dismantle on a Monday. That which was decreed and established 24 hours earlier. Keep your confession in check. Be as excited tomorrow, Tuesday, Wednesday, and all the way through to Saturday next week. Where you are at right now. The Bible says that as long as the earth remains, sea time and harvest will not cease. And so I want you to say this with me. Say this. I call forth my harvest in Jesus' name. Now come on, say it like you mean it. I call forth my harvest in Jesus' name. And if you receive that by faith, come on, just take 10 seconds and give Him glory.
verse 3. Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance of the city gates. So they said to each other, well, why should we sit here waiting to die? We will starve if we stay here. But with the famine in the city, we will starve if we go back there. So we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army. If they let us live, well, so much better. But if they kill us, we would have died anyway. So they got into a particular predicament where we could stay here and die. We can go to the city where there's famine and die. We might as well do something that we would under no circumstances do. Let's just surrender to the Aramean army. Let's surrender our lives into the hands of the enemy because maybe there is a chance that they'll accept us. I mean, lepers. Lepers are, no, are not welcome in any kind of community or society. They are shunned. They are ousted. Yet that is the hopeless situation that they are facing themselves in or that they are in. But even that hopeless situation has not caused them to lo lose hope completely. For they said, you know what? If we are going to die, then we are going to exhaust every single possibility in this equation before that happens. Not giving up. Even when it seems that every single thing is against them. It's as though they were saying this scripture from within. That I will live and not die. And declare the blessings of the Lord. His mercy, his love that endures forever. When I heard the voice of the Lord even say this morning over some of you here. That you will live and not die. For I am about to suddenly and radically change your life. I prophesy in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That you will enjoy the fruit from trees that you did not plant. That you will live in houses that you did not build. And so you will strip the enemy of its wealth in this hour in Jesus name. And come on, if you receive that, just take five seconds and thank him. Thank him. Thank him for life, for his goodness, his mercy, and his grace, his unmerited favor operating in and through your life. In Jesus' name. Verse five. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. But when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. For the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sound of a great army approaching. I just love the God that I serve. He is just there all by himself and he makes it sound like there is a mighty army that is coming against this mighty army. But his army is mightier. Even the sound that he releases into the atmosphere is greater than any army. Just think about that. The sound that he releases into the atmosphere is greater than that of any army. Come on. So then if God is for you, who can be against you? So the next time someone says to you, you and what army? 
You with the Lord, together in unity, I'm telling you, you are greater than any army that may dare to rise up against you in Jesus' name. So know who you are. Do not be allowed to be pushed around by the enemy. Know who you are. Keep your head up high. Keep your shoulders up. Walk up straight. Know who you are. Know who you have access to. What you have access to. What God has said to you. God is a truth sayer. He is not a liar. He is a man of his word. Using today's terminology. So then the king of Israel, they said, has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. They cried to one another. And so they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else as they fled for their lives. You see, neither the lepers then or the Israelites had to do any fighting. The Lord went to fight on their behalf. For the Lord reveals in Isaiah 59 verse 19, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun, is that when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The Lord has a standard, a normal, you can say, operating procedure, a standard way that is set in stone as to how the Lord deals with his enemies. Anything that is standing in your way, once you have spoken to it and told it to remove and it still does not move, it has just declared itself to be an enemy of God. And the Bible says what a terrible thing it is to fall into the hands of a living God. So know that once you have spoken in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to your mountain, to your giant, whatever it is, it's standing in your way and it doesn't move, you can stand back because the Lord will fight for you. The Lord will fight for you. The Lord will vindicate you. He will promote you and position you in Jesus' name. Even right now in the spirit, the Lord is just showing. And I prophesy in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that in this season, God will confuse the enemy. So that every single plan of theirs will fail. For no weapon formed against you or your family will prosper in Jesus' name. Verse 8. When the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking. And they carried off silver and gold and clothing and hid it. So can you imagine? I mean, they must have looked like kings. <laughs> You know, they would have possibly, you know, they had to walk like this because of all of the bling, because of all the gold, all the chains, all the, you know, all the jewelry. Come on, that's the picture I get. I mean, there's excess. They cannot carry it all. You know, they've already had all they could eat. They've now already had all they could drink. There's possibly a ring on every finger. There is a chain on every square millimeter of their forearms. Even their, even their legs, I mean, just they are covered in gold and jewels at this point. Fine clothing. 
Just think about that. But then this happens. They said, well, this is not right. This is a day of good news and we aren't sharing it with anyone. People that were shunned. They could have thought to themselves, well, it serves you right. You chased us out of the city walls. Hey, now we are here where it's raining silver and gold. They could have grabbed a hold of that offense that was festering because they had been shunned. No one, could, no one helped them. They just said to them at the first sight of any form of leprosy, there you go, leave now, never return. Waiting for your death outside the city walls. That's what would have happened. But the, as they were partaking of this excess, they said, this is not right. This is not right. We have to share this which we have. So now if we were to look at the spiritual side of this, if we who know, who have been born of the spirit and not of the flesh, we understand just how much has been given to us. Salvation, which is free. We sort of take it for granted. Because someone had to literally die a gruesome death in order for you to access that free gift. It is free for you, but it came at a price. Nothing is ever really free. Someone had to pay for it somewhere. And so we partake of this free gift of salvation. And we begin to delve into the word of the Lord. And we begin to discover that my God shall supply all my need according to his riches in glory. His unlimited riches in glory. But then we decide for ourselves, well, let's just get fat with the word. Let's just blow up with the spirit and the breath of God on the inside of us. And let's just all keep it to ourselves. These were lepers who were shunned. They could understand that it is not right. They said it is not right that we just keep it to ourselves. Let us go and let us tell everyone what has just happened. And so I pray that from this day forward, that you would become a disciple ready to disciple. That you would become a missionary right there where the Lord has positioned you in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community, even in the workplace among your clients so that you will let your light so shine. Be radiant with His glory and advance His kingdom. They said it's not right. We aren't sharing this with anyone. But if we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let us go back and tell the people at the palace. And so that's exactly what happened. And so, verse 10, so they went back to the city and they told the gatekeepers of what happened. We went out to the Aramean camp, they said, and no one was there. The horses, the donkeys were tethered and the tents were all in order. But there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeeper shouted the news to the people in the palace. And the king got out of bed in the middle of the night. And then what happened was the scouts then went to investigate to find out if these lepers are actually speaking the truth. Is this not just some sort of elaborate hoax or scheme or trick 
So let's send the scouts just to be sure. And they came and they reported back. And then, verse 16, then the people of Samaria rushed out and they plundered the Aramean camp. So it was true that six parts or six quarts of choice flour was sold that day for one piece of silver and 12 quarts of barley grain was sold for one piece of silver just as the Lord had promised. You see, they had experienced a 24-hour suddenly miracle. And so what was inconceivable only 24 hours ago is now the reality. And so I prophesy in the name of Jesus over every single one of you that as God's covenant people, you will have many suddenly moments so that even within a matter of 24 hours, that which is thought to be inconceivable will be your reality in Jesus' name. And come on, if you receive that, let your shout be the loudest in Jesus' name. Verse 17, the king appointed his officer, the same officer. Oh, I would have loved to see his face. The king appointed his officer to control the traffic at the gate. But he was knocked down and trampled to death as the people rushed out. So it was true, just as the man of God had prophesied that you will see this with your very own two eyes, but you will not eat of it. You will not be a partaker of it. So choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whose report you will believe. Because we hear the voice of God, we hear the word of God, but then we sort of still want to get into that place where we want to say, God, I'm not sure if this is the truth. God's word is truth. God's word is life. That which God has said, that which God has spoken, will be established. That as God spoke and said, let there be light, there poof was light. God did not have to argue with light. He did not have to go into any debate with darkness. He simply said, let there be light. There was light. In the very same way, we who are created in the image and likeness of God can speak. That we can prophesy. That we can speak to the winds and the waves. So that when circumstances are not ideal, you can change it. You have the power, the authority, all you need is the tenacity to speak to the external conditions and to say to a change. That I will not accept the final word of this world when God's word is the final authority. When Jesus calmed the winds and the waves, the people said this, they said, what kind of man is this? that even the winds and the waves obey his voice. The Bible talks about Paul after he had done some miracles that they worshiped him and thought of him to be a God because he did miracles. 
But that is what God does. He is the one doing the miracles. We as normal human beings, we can do nothing. But the same spirit I have received, you have also received. There is no special pastoral Holy Spirit or apostolic Holy Spirit or prophetic Holy Spirit. There is the Holy Spirit that is given freely to anyone who would say, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Whether you are five years old, whether you are 55, it makes no difference. Whether you speak Afrikaans or whether you speak English or any other language on the face of this earth. It's not dependent on the color of your skin. It's not dependent on your background, on your heritage, your cultural origin. It's got nothing to do with that. Because the Bible declares that that which is of the flesh is of the flesh. That which is of the spirit comes from the spirit. Spirit begets spirit. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you'd like to help Kevin and Chantel reach and impact this generation, thank you in advance for sharing this episode with your world. If you have enjoyed Dominion today, follow Kevin and Chantel on Instagram, Facebook, and your favorite podcast platform, or connect with them online at dominion.org.za.